Welcome to episode 43 of our podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And um, I'm not going to refer to this as the Tech Gypsies podcast any longer since we're um, going to update the name, the branding, et cetera, et cetera. But we'll save a formal announcement, I guess, for next week when, when all the logos and stuff are finalized. Yeah, once we have all the branding and the kind of site up, um, we'll talk more about it. But um, I will say apologies for skipping a week, um, a week's worth of podcasts. I've been sick. I've been very sick. Yeah, um, so I'd say I've seen you sick twice, two, three times in our entire relationship, seven-year relationship, and this is the worst and the longest I've seen you. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I keep thinking I'm like almost back to normal, but I think it's just like taken its toll on me and it's actually taking me a lot longer than I thought to sort of return to, uh, to become fully operational again. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll power through, but that does mean because we missed last Sunday's, um, last Sunday's podcast that we have, I suppose, two weeks of news and and stuff to talk about although really it's been it's still been less than a month it's been less than a month it's been three weeks since number 45 was inaugurated and it's like every day feels like like I mean we just wake up to like the horror of of new and ongoing um creeping authoritarianism and, and white nationalism and, um, dare we say, even sort of eth- uh, ethnic cleansing um, in, the, in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, before, before we, we dive into the Trump stuff and recap, we have two weeks worth of news. I think we have two weeks of kind of our life to, to talk about what we've been doing. This is true. And, and I think, uh, you know, I mean, yes, we're taking it day by day, tweet by tweet, you know, uh, fire by fire, trash fire by trash fire. But um, we've been traveling. We we're back in LA this week, and we had um, gone to gone to Philly and gone to Richmond and DC, and so this is our first podcast since um, you know we we did all that. And I want to I want to focus it on and talk about your talk specifically at the University of Richmond because I think this is sums up very neatly why we're here, how we got here. Um, the tech overlap with the politics of what's going on with the Trump shit show. But can you talk about what you what you uh, talked about in Richmond? Give us a summary. You know, this is this is really hard for me, and I have to say that this was. I mean, and not just because I had the flu, but like this was one of the hardest talks for me to to write because I feel as though my work really has been for the last you know, several years, cautioning people um, about, warning people about the sort of path I saw us sort of rather casually walking down in particular with, you know, in, in education technology specifically, but just more generally with our, with our use of technology, which I've felt for quite some time is, among other things, feeding a culture of surveillance, right? Feeding a of this sort of obsession that, that, we have culturally with data, with tracking. Um, often it's sort of pitched to us, marketed to us as being about personalization. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of things that are really about surveillance, surveilling other people, self-surveillance um, that are wrapped up with a lot of the 
the digital technologies that that we're told that we need to we need to adopt. And so for me, I, I you know for me it, you know the minute that Trump won the election, I thought, well, if this is you know this is the this is education technology or education in particular absolutely needs to wise up right now of having not listened to me for years right now people need to wise up and really think about what data they've collected what data they're collecting on students and what can what can be done with that i mean for me i saw the handwriting on the wall in terms of the kinds of the kinds of things that a trump administration could do would do with the, the data that that we, that we know about students. And so um, my friend Ryan Brazil asked, you know, asked me a while ago if I would come come and speak at the University of Richmond. And, you know, he and I talked about this topic and decided to talk about ed tech in a time of Trump. And I wanted to talk about precisely that, about data collection, the history of data collection, the way in which um, this has been a tool used by governments um, even before before what we think of as modern computing technology, but the sort of statistical analysis that's done by surveilling a population and then or in order to identify, um, quote unquote, I suppose, undesirables is something that has a very old, a very long history. Um, and it has a history that is tied specifically to IBM. Um, but I think that goes back much, much farther. And, and so that was sort of my talk was exploring these issues. And for me, it's just been, you know, watching this unfold, watching most people in ed tech since, since the inauguration, there have been two of the largest education technology events have been held. FETC, the Florida Education Technology Conference or something like that. And then last week, TCEA, so tech, the Texas Computer um, educators Association, and no one is talking about this, right? No one is addressing this, and in Florida and in Texas have a very high number of undocumented students, and yet people gather, educators and vendors gather at these events, and all they can talk about gleefully is how much these new technologies are going to sort of reshape learning when really this is part and parcel of a new regime that is an old an old regime that is um, that is really about um, identifying students and sort of putting them into this this um, uh, you know I mean the school to pipeline prison is has has been part of it but there's a you know this new this new regime now of excluding people, kicking people out of the country, identifying people, instilling fear in people. Um, and it's so frustrating to me that education technology um, does not want to address this at all. And in fact, wants to double down on new technologies that are more and more wrapped up in analytics and more and more wrapped up in this kind of exploitative surveillance culture. Well, the one one uh, series of words, the phrase that you you had on the bottom of your slide and said over and over was command, control, and intelligence, and and that really struck at the core of this all of this for me is that people you said people are conveniently like forgetting, you know what what can happen, what bad can happen, and you you point to the census that basically why we have some of these these data collection. Uh, needs or desires are based upon like 
really fucked up shit. You know, the need to, like, deal with Indians, the need to deal with commodities that are slaves. You need to deal with rounding up people of a certain religion during wartime. And, but yet, you know, 50 years later, all this shit seems to be scrubbed. And, hey, yes, of course we need to collect data. Data is good and how neatly, um, you know, what... Not just in ed tech, but what Facebook and Twitter and all of these these places where we're creating these these self-creating these digital fingerprints of ourselves and these technologists who are just building this going, we're not doing anything wrong. We're just helping build demographic tools or systems for selling things to people. We're not bad. And then how quickly and easily that maps to this command, control, and intelligence system, whether it's in education, whether it's in the corporate enterprise environment, whether you know, healthcare pick your industry, it's, it's touching it. I think that this, this point about the, the demographics and, you know, command control intelligence, you know, command control intelligence, um, is this sort of military, this military term for, um, the use of these technology, you know, the use of these technologies to, um, you know, command control communications intelligence, triple, what is it, C3I, right, is sort of a, a military term. And, and I, you know, um, I think that this is underlies so much of commute, computing technology historically and in, in the present. And there's, we haven't severed that. Right. I think that a lot of, particularly in education technology, educators who think of themselves as progressive politically, and then also think that they must be progressed, that they're, they're using technology, therefore there's something progressive, innately progressive about that, um, are really reluctant, I think, to talk about the ways in which the legacies of the tools they use are absolutely the sort of communications infrastructure of the military, right? The internet is a military technology. You don't just magically escape from from the command control intelligence infrastructure by waving your hands around and saying it's the read write web, right? Like it's you don't actually just escape from escape from this legacy, particularly when the infrastructure and the ideology really does reinforce surveillance, right? So, you know, Google, for example, you know, Google is this massive advertising network and advertising and data collection and surveillance really work hand in hand. Like these are not, these, you know, Google doesn't undermine command control um, and intelligence, right? It actually becomes part of this infrastructure um, that that is about surveilling, you know, surveilling our clicks, surveilling our consumption habits, surveilling us again under the guise of personalization, but really, um, but really, then so easily also becomes something that the NSA, for example, is perfectly happy to exploit for their own for their own surveillance purposes. But you know, for me, thinking about you know how does this work in education, and I was I read a really great book when I was preparing for this. Um, by Simone Brown that talked about um, surveillance and blackness, surveillance technologies and blackness. And I think that too often um, white scholars in particular, when we talk about technologies of surveillance, we use um, the panopticon, right? Jeremy Bentham's model of the prison. And often I think refer to them Foucault and this notion of surveillance, um, discipline, discipline um, and uh, in French, um, surveillance and, uh, or excuse me, surveil, um, discipline and punishment, um, 
from the French. But um, we talk about the panopticon and the prison part of it, but Simone Brown's book is really great because she ties it back um, to a sort of a concurrent theme of the slave ship uh, and talks about the way in which the census in particular was this surveillance tool of the government in order to sort of identify and control um, and create even the categories of of blackness, right? The, the first census categories were about freed white people or white, white people um, and then slaves. And then eventually that category of slave became black. And we've added these categories, not that the, the, the sort of different peoples did not exist, but we've added these categories to create them as these racial, racialized, marginalized bodies that need to be controlled. Like you said, Native American population suddenly appears, um, you know, Native American becomes a, or Indian, becomes a category in the census in 1860. I mean, Native peoples were in, were obviously on this continent long before then, but it wasn't a category until then, right? And similarly, categories like Chinese, although I'd say that's, you know, these aren't racial, like that's not a racial category, but it becomes a racial category in 1870 because, again, this is something about controlling the population. And I wanted people to think about the way in which we create these categories in education, right? So I didn't talk about this in my talk, but I thought about it afterwards when someone was sort of pushing me on this, is that, you know, dropout is a category like this as well, right? So new technologies, learning analytics, like that's the argument that the people say, well, we have, you know, we have these new technologies and we're going to be able to identify students who are quote unquote at risk, identify students who might not um, be successful at school, identify students who might drop out. Um, but uh, the dropout, the notion of a dropout is a, is a new category. It's a new, we've, we've, we've created students who've, we've created that category and sort of um, by doing so, we've sort of summoned students into this category of deviance in which they weren't before. You know, my, my grandfather, for example, uh, my American grandfather, he never finished high school. Um, I'm not sure what the farthest grade he got, but I think it was junior high level. Um, he never, but he was not a dropout, right? That was never a label attached to him. He wasn't even, it wasn't even a I mean, it, that, that sort of notion of high school graduate was not even a, a, a category. He went on to be a successful business person, right? He owned he owned a little grocery store. He he was he was never stigmatized with the label dropout because even though he hadn't finished high school, um, and so the dropout category is something that created we created in post-war America in the 1960s when we were very interested in demonizing and criminalizing this new category, again, this new social construct that we created of the teenager, right? The teenager is this, is this um, period of, of, of someone's life when they need to be, when they need to be institution, you know, better controlled by institutions. And so, you know, I want people to think about the ways in which the technology that they use is sort of interpolating, right? It's actually, cre it's sort of caught up in creating character creating these categories and identifying students as being deviant, not that the students are de deviant, right? That, that, that that's this, about this categorization and labeling. And increasingly, I think, 
um, that this is done algorithmically, right? This is done statistically, but not even increasingly. I mean, that's what the that's what the Nazis did with the IBM technology, right? This is about identifying people based on statistical analysis um, as being somehow deviant. That they were that there were enough signals that you could infer. Right. You could infer that someone was was Jewish, and, and they didn't have to be even, you know, uh, pr a practicing religious Jew. The Nazis wanted to identify people who had a, sort of the drop of Jewish blood, if you will. Right, um, this sort of racialized—well, I would say racialized—racist science of 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 the Nazis. And again, like, what are the legacies that we're just you know really not thinking through when it comes to quote unquote learning science and the kinds of learning analytics and, and technologies that, that schools are adopting. And under Trump, right, under Trump, what we've seen in the past three weeks is targeting immigrants, right? Targeting immigrants from certain countries, targeting Muslims, targeting brown-skinned people, targeting refugees, um, targeting people who... Um, might be in this country without documentation, sure, but that look a certain way, right? That have last names that are cert that sound a certain way, and these are the people who are getting stopped at the border. These are the people who are getting turned away at the border. These are the people who are being rounded up at the border. And it's not science; it's this sort of racist pseudoscience um, that is being facilitated through through this sort of the data that we leave behind by the technologies that we use, right? So the ICE knows what neighborhoods, ICE knows what neighborhoods, ICE knows what schools, right? ICE knows what churches. So the Customs and Borders know what they look, they, they, can, they make these inferences about who to stop, who to ask questions. And, um, and for, for me, with this talk I gave at Richmond, University of Richmond, like, you know, education is really implicated in this. Um, education technology, doubly so. Well, and I think when you have, I mean, you when you have them directly going and waiting at schools to arrest people, you have um, they're going to churches to arrest people. These are these institutions have to first and foremost ask the questions that you've been asked, you know, pushing on education asked for the last five to seven years is, you know, should we be collecting this? Why are we collecting this? Um, what are you know what are the the ways that this could be used? Um, in, in these really bad ways, but people just seem to just be lining up for more of this, like not actually ever, ever questioning and thinking of it until it's almost too late. Well, I, I would say that, yeah, I mean, this is unfortunate because it shouldn't have had to be Trump that made people stop and think about this, right? Because we've actually seen, we've seen like this uh, on one hand, so much of this isn't new. So much of this is business as usual for white supremacy, right? Um, but I think that, I certainly think that the under Trump and the way in which this is so um, playing out, um, and obviously in such cruel ways, um, by targeting refugees, for example, um, by targeting people who um, are coming to this country on with, you know, who've already been quote-unquote vetted, right? They have visas. They have student visas. They're doctors, right? They're professors. They're graduate students. They're visiting family. They're grandmothers coming to, you know, watch grandchildren be born. They're, they're, they're family who are being, turn, who've been, who are turned away at the border because of this 
Muslim ban. But then, you know, with the with the ICE raids, um, these are you know tearing families apart. And so I think that what we're seeing is the sort of cruelty on display that perhaps is making people um, start to think about this. But it, it, I mean, it's it's very it's very frustrating that um, I I have not seen I. I haven't really seen any educational institution and I haven't really seen any education technology company say, uh, we're going to be deleting some data. Yeah, it's, it's people, I mean, people who have something to sell really, I mean, you see some of the big coasts taking a stance on the, on the immigration saying this is hurting them. But I think as far as it, it, as far as how, what, what you're talking about, about technology and the, these legacy processes, um, in identifying quote unquote problems um, historically dovetails so nicely with this entrepreneurial disease that is like quote solving problems you know and and when you have this very privileged limited perspective of the world what is a problem and and the ability to be to, to be able to to be handed one of these these problems to track on and then have it become like palantir technology or or um uh, what's the other one, the analytical one, Cambridge Analytica, you know, it's like these things dovetail so nicely with marketing and demographics and putting people into buckets for capitalist reasons. And no one seems to be talking about it at, at that level and how it, it maps so nicely. And depending on whether you're um, just willing to 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 be shady like Cambridge Analytica and these companies in Palantir or whether you're you're incentivized by money and then that becomes a slippery slope or hey you know the the White House just um, you know or the federal government actually you know sends you an order saying you have to comply I mean I don't see anybody having any of these conversations out in the open um, they just seem pretty scared to I think you know to tie back what I was saying at, at the beginning I think one of the problems is that um or there are several problems here that to, to think about unpacking. But, you know, one of them is that I think that we've really haven't thought through what it means to um, the downsides of having so much of so much personal information, um, quote unquote, at our fingertips. Like, again, like I hear um, investors and entrepreneurs hailing the, the beauty of the of the mobile phone of the smartphone right that you know you can you have everything at your finger fingertips now but the the downside of that is that everything is in your phone right and so we're seeing now um, uh, the Customs and Border Patrol saying that they're going to start asking for social media passwords of people coming into the country a couple of reports from the last week or so of um, one was a U.S. citizen, a, a NASA scientist, who had his phone taken um, by uh, Border Patrol. Um, again, uh, someone, born in, uh, someone born in this country, um, of course, he did have a quote-unquote ethnic-sounding last name. Um, but uh, our phones contain a lot of incriminating data. And I don't mean that, like, incriminating data, like you've committed a crime, but a phone, your phone does have a lot of incriminating data about who you are, who your networks are, um, who you know. Your phone can identify where you've been. Your phone knows, your phone knows if you're a Jew, 
right? Like because of the, because of your networks, because of the things that you've clicked on, because of the status updates that you've made, um, marking holidays, for example, because of the things that you've ordered on Amazon, because of the, your viewing patterns on Netflix, um, your, your phone, your phone has a lot of, a lot of information. And so thinking about having, you know, having this stuff, having this stuff gone through by, by the government, um, is, is I think really frightening. And it's, you know, you and I travel a lot. And I think for us really thinking about how do we protect ourselves, right? How do we protect ourselves? Um, you know, for, for, for me as a journalist, um, what are my responsibilities to protect my sources, for example? What are my, um, how, how do I make sure that when I, you know, when I next leave the country and, and come back that, um, that there's not a way for, there's not a way for the government to be able to go through my stuff? Well, I mean, you nailed it with the buckets when, when these, these buckets or these categorizations become a problem you know it's not like indians didn't exist between before that time or the chinese it's when they become a problem and they need this kind of management and and so it's like right now you know the 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 system is being used to target those who are problems those who are undocumented uh illegals those who are of a certain from a certain country of a certain religion and it's when that next line moves over, which we're already seeing, you know, targeting of journalists and people who are outspoken. It's when that that bucket line or lights up a new area on the on the the bingo board, you know. And we're 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 squarely in that. So just being outspoken, talk, you know, knowing people, talking to people is 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 quickly becoming a problem or an area that's lighting up. I would say for me specifically, like opening up data and helping you know government and and companies and and city government be more transparent you know those are quickly you see more laws being passed that you can't publish laws online and it's a it's a it's a crime so as these lines shift and these 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 quadrants or buckets of how you're being tagged um change that's what worries me and 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 having these personas already be, being built by me and my friends every time you share a meme or do something it's like boom another little uh little tag on you for to be in a certain demographic group and then as people like Cambridge Analytica and these companies are making um you know compartmentalizing and slicing and dicing this information those who have access to it can make decisions based upon it that's what really scares me is 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 as as that shifts that that I've helped feed so much of that machine. Well, I think that there's a I mean there are a couple of of things that are um you know, I, I mean, you and I've talked about this before. A lot of people will say, "Well, I don't do anything wrong." Right? I I I have nothing to hide. Um but you know, that's well, for one thing, that's just like such ludicrous sense of of privilege that you that um that you feel safe is um is is a little mind blowing to me but also you know your network your all of us our own safety is only as safe as like the person with the lousiest security in our network right so um you know it's not just for example it's not just me protecting my device, but it's all the emails that I've ever sent that are living on someone else's device, 
right? And so, I mean, it's really it's really challenging, not just because what you've done, but because how how you're connected to a lot of other a lot of other people uh, as well. And like you said, like I think that the you know what what counts as you know, certainly we're seeing what counts as, as being criminalized is, is changing rather, is changing rather rapidly. Um, I'm the, I'm the daughter of an immigrant, you know, like I, I said the other, I posted something on Facebook the other day saying, you know, do, uh, you know, do you carry your papers with you? Do you carry your papers proving that you're a U.S. citizen? White people, white people don't. Um, brown people particularly along the southern border, more likely, more likely to keep documentation on them because they're, you know, the chances of them being pulled over for driving, you know, driving while brown, driving while um, Latina are, are higher. But, you know, my mom, my mom said, you know, like my mom, which was funny, like not gonna, you know, doesn't fit into a profile, a racial profile or an ethnic profile, you know, my mom's a naturalized citizen. My mom's an immigrant. And even my mom is starting to feel as though things, you know, she's not feeling safe, which is, um, you know, think about the ways in which the people in your life are one degree or zero degrees away from being targeted is, you know, it's not just you have nothing to hide. It's that you're connected to people who are really vulnerable and we have to, we have to work on our own, you know, security, not just because you might have things on your computer. And again, like thinking about the stuff that people have on their computer, whether they have good privacy and good security practices or not, um, is, is sort of mind blowing. You know, every educator, right? Every educator probably has, if not emails from students, right? FERPA questions, questionable FERPA stuff there, but Logins to the learning management system, questionable FERPA stuff there. Um, interactions with students, cash, caches, cached and logs of interactions with students, questionable FERPA stuff there. So there's every reason why a teacher would have something to hide, right? Not that, you know, because that's your job is to protect the privacy of student data, um, but again, when some rando um, CBP, CBP, yeah, CBP person wants access to your laptop and you say, well, I have nothing to hide, uh, think again. Yeah. I mean, what's your, I mean, what's your duty to be aware of just for your own privacy and security and safety? I mean, um, you know, these, you know, for your mom, I mean, she's, you know, associated with, you know, Hank, she knows us, she knows her, you know, she's like, she could become, you know, as, as the thing. No, she, I'm so, laughing, but it's, it's true. Like, it's true. You know, she and could, she's traveled, you know, she's traveled, she's traveled a lot, like outside of the country, not to, um, she, she does missionary work in Africa, um, there. And so I, you know, as, as Trump says, we're going to expand the countries that we're, um, you know, that we're, we're targeting. Um, my mom has traveled to places that are, you know, um, particularly sub-Saharan Africa, it ha I think has r a very high number of, of um, terrorist attacks. Um, they don't seem to register, they don't quite register in this sort of scary ISIS 
story that Trump and his cronies like to tell, but certainly, you know, my, my mom fits into these, my mom fits into a category of someone who, yeah, uh, she's suddenly now quite aware of, of her issues. <laughs> Um, well, and again, with, someone with nothing to hide. I mean, she's you know going over there as a Christian missionary, but yeah. But I mean, is more more of these decisions are just purely being made that are algorithmic. Whether it's your visa being approved, whether you know you're 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 you come up as a as on the no watch list, you know, at an airport, and whether you can get in or out of the country because of that, um, all the way down to just the lowest level. I mean, people are you know I saw a story about. Uh, you know, a person's uh, pacemaker data was used to implicate them in in an insurance fraud scheme. You know, uh, so it's like it's going to has gonna, a pacemaker. <laughs> you know, it's going to creep down on the on the 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 criminality level, but then almost also down to just the civil. I mean, your insurance premiums are going to go up. Your you know, we see these 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 wearables. You know, fitting with the workplace environment and in these wellness programs. You know, we see more usage of policing of data. To, to deal with, uh, you know, people, uh, civil unrest in their cities. And so, you know, the bubbles that we saw in the current election around how people get their news, how people are being targeted and spoon-fed things, and this isn't just a, a, an issue on the right, this is this is an issue across the board, is how, how people get information or don't get information. You know, I, of the many API stories I cover, one recently was of a company that would show a different or not at all the support contact button on their homepage of the website, depending on where you were at in their sales pipeline. And they knew this because of IP address targeting. So basically, if you worked, if your IP address was from some workplace environment that was in their database and they could identify where you were at in the sales pipeline, you may or may not get support. So this is basically how the web, it's not just, hey, we're in a Facebook bubble. Hey, we're, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're, the web's being tailored to exactly you know who we are and the profile we fit so we can or can't find things based on who we are and as more of those algorithmic decisions happen at the airport at the border crossing at the purchasing level um your mortgage your insurance i mean these profiles people better start having a conversation about these profiles before you know all this comes down yeah well um I mean, hope, hopefully, um, hopefully people will. It's, it is interesting to think, you know, to, to sort of bring this full circle and wrap things up, you know, our time in D.C., you saw, well, we, we saw um, several people who um, still work for the federal government, um, career, you know, career civil servants, if you will, right? The, um, and the talk of, you know, the talk of creating a Muslim database um, you know, and this insistence um, from people within the civil servants, um, people from certain people, certain tech companies saying we won't participate in this. But really, we, we are all participating in creating these, these profiles, and not just profiles of Muslims, but um, these profiles of, of all sorts of, you know, all sorts of, of, of patterns, um, patterns that of of who we are profiling, and so I think that people really need to think about um, how they're going to um, protect themselves, how they're going to protect, and how they're going to protect one another. Um, and again, in my world, for educators, 
you know, I'm, I'm seeing educators this weekend make plans for when ICE shows up at their school. I can't believe that that's what we're at right now, where this is, you know, these are the plans that we have to take. Um, but I think that better late than never um, and start thinking about what are, you know, what are, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when they come for you? And if the tech companies aren't going to, you know, step up and have this conversation, that if if you're listening and you are one, you, sh you should be urging that you do. But um, we need to make that decision for them about what platforms, tools, services we, we use let into our business and our, our personal lives, especially into our homes, into our schools, into our, our places of worship. We need to really, really think about what technology we, we allow in because it's the number one way, um, you know, things are being cracked into. Um, and we'll have, there's a couple of stories that I'll post in the show notes that have some suggestions of what people can do to, per, in particular, to protect their data um, when, when crossing borders. But I think that, you know, just in general, you know, I think that thinking about how do you, how do you make changes right now, today, to the kinds of tools that, that you're using, um, and hopefully, you know, Hopefully this, these are the kinds of things that people are thinking about personally, um, like you said, in their homes, but then also in, in their workplaces. All right. Till next week. Till next week. Till next week.